Don't we bring great people here? Yes. Barbara, Joselito. Now I gotta follow that. <laughs> so I'm, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna take what Joselito was talking about, and I'm gonna go a little further with it. I want to tell you a story first of all. A man, <clears throat> a man walks up to the pearly gates. Of course, we don't believe in the pearly gates. <laughs> 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 It's a joke. Okay. A man walks up to the pearly gates, and the Lord looks down on him and says, you know, we don't know of anything particularly good or bad you've done in your lifetime, so tell us a story that will persuade us a certain direction. The man looks up. He's a little nervous. He's shaking a little bit and says, well, uh, here's a story. One day when I was driving down a rural highway, I saw a gang beating up on a child. And I immediately pulled over and I got into my, you know, toughest look. I raised my collar up a little bit. I, I put my sunglasses on and I ran out to them and I started yelling, hey, you bullies, if you want to hurt him, you'll have to go through me. The Lord looked, looked at him and smiled and said, well, very, very good. When was that? Oh, just five minutes ago. Um, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> so today I want to talk about persuasion. Now I know if you looked at the um, talk title, it's all in Latin. And so just so you know, and the Catholics will probably be able to keep up with me, but from now on, <laughs> it's all going to be in Latin. Okay. <laughs> I want to talk about persuasion. What is persuasion? Persuasion is to change our thinking, thus our beliefs, and thus our lives. That's what happens in our life with persuasion. Now, persuasion could be um, trying to get somebody to help you or assist you in, in doing something. But in our, in our personal lives, taking away anybody else around us, it's to change our thinking. We are persuading ourselves to change our thinking, and we must use the art of persuasion, and to do this, we use ethos, pathos, and logos. What the heck is that? Well, ethos is considered the ethical appeal. This is all old stuff. This is from Aristotle time. It's the ethical appeal, the ethos. It's uh, when someone convinces an audience of their credibility and their character. So you start by um, appealing to them, by uh, them acknowledging that, you know, you are of character. Um, theoretically, because I'm an ordained minister, I have ethos. <laughs> <laughs> and you laugh, so there shows that But I want you to understand, it's not the universe that you're convincing with this ethos, and it's not the law you're convincing with this ethos, it's yourself that you're convincing with this ethos, with this credibility, with this, your character. Pathos. Pathos is persuading an audience through an emotional appeal. That's actually where the word pathetic comes from, but that's, that's you know, how English messes up Latin. Um, <laughs> When you're using it, you want to make the audience feel. 
So you use meaningful language, you use uh, emotional tones, like that. Um, you, uh, you use emotional evoking examples, um, visualization, something, something they could see that will make them feel. The pathos is actually the Greek word for um, the term experience. So pathos has, has to do with experience and the feelings that occur because of that experience. Again, it's not the law you're convincing by using pathos. And finally, logos. Logos is there to convince an audience by using logic, right? Or reason. So you cite truth. Um, you may cite facts. Um, you use analogies, descriptions. Um, you use other folks' authorities, like reading from Joe Dispenza or any of the um, mystics or examples or quotes that I may use in this talk. Um, by constructing logical arguments. Now, those who have gone through practitioner training um, will understand the idea of a logical argument because treatment a lot is a logical argument, but I'll get to that later. Logos is the Greek term for word or that by which the inward thought is expressed or the inward thought itself is logos. It doesn't have to come out of your mouth. So whether you use ethos, pathos, logos, or all three, once again, your audience is not the universe. Your audience is not the law. Your audience is you. So let me use one of these quotes. Power of Decision, great book. Raymond Charles Barker wrote this book. In it, he says, the creative process awaits your decision and your calm acceptance of the necessary work on your part following the decision. Idea follows idea as you proceed in the work of bringing to pass that which you decided would now be. So this decision that we make for ourselves in whatever situation, and I'm sure Rosalito goes through that in his um, in his coaching with people, the decision comes through a self-persuasion. In his example, he talked about how this gentleman had to persuade himself, and I'm sure all clients do, and we all do, even if we don't go to, to a life coach of, of some sort. Um, we all have to persuade ourselves that we are accepting and living this idea, whatever it is, whether it's love or it has to do with health or, or anything like this. Now, it's not manipulation because manipulation is coercion through force to get someone to do something that's not in their best interest. So A, we're not trying to coerce something or someone else, obviously, because we're only dealing with ourselves, but we're not using force because when we use force, what does the law um, usually bring us? More force. The law doesn't have to be pushed. I know we talk a lot about um, um, uh, you make a decision and you declare, but declaration is not force to the law. Declaration is knowing. We are not forcing, and this is something that is, of course, in our own best interest, 
doing persuasion. Persuasion is the art of getting ourselves to think things that are in our own best interest, different from those old mental habits, whatever they are, that no longer serve our true selves. And sometimes that means that we have to get out of our comfort zone. And you may have noticed if you do some deep, deep thinking when you want to bust through SOAR and Zoom through something, that um, lack and limitation becomes very comfortable. The biggest thing is because you don't have to work mentally hard. You just sit back and accept the junk that comes into your life through your lack and limitation. We all have done it, and it becomes a comfort zone. It's such an odd idea that lack and limitation thoughts and feelings and beliefs would be a comfort zone, but it is, and if you look in some parts of your life, you will see, see that. Let me tell you another little story. One cowardly person came to his sensei, his teacher um, of martial arts, and asked to be taught bravery. The master looked at him and said, I will teach you only with one condition. One month, you will have to live in a big city and tell every person that you meet on your way that you are a coward. You will have to say it loudly, openly, and looking straight into the person's eyes. So this, this student became quite troubled as this task, of course, seemed very scary and, and vulnerable and uncomfortable. So for a couple of days, he was very depressed and, and frightened and didn't know quite what to do, but he decided he needed to live with his cowardice, even though it seemed unbearable. But he was finally able to persuade himself to at least travel to the big city and attempt to accomplish this mission. So at first meeting passers-by, he cowered, he kind of lost his speech and couldn't make contact with anyone, and, you know, it was just horribly uncomfortable and embarrassing. But he knew he needed to finish the master's task, so he made the decision to overcome himself. He took a deep breath, and when he came up to his next passerby, trembling, he still told this person about his cowardice. And it seemed to him that he would die he would really die from fear and shame about this, having to look somebody straight in the eye and say, I'm a coward. But with each passing day, his voice started to sound stronger and louder and more confident. And suddenly there came a moment when the man caught himself thinking that, hey, I'm not scared anymore. This is easy for me to say this. And further, he continued doing the master's task. The more logical it seemed, and thus the more convinced he was that the fear was starting to abandon him. Now, after a month passed, because remember he agreed to a month of doing this, the, the student came back to the master and bowed to him and said, Thank you, sensei. I finished your task. Now I'm not afraid anymore. But tell me, how, do you, how did you know that this strange task would help me? And the master said, the thing is, cowardice is only a habit. And by doing the things that scare us, we can destroy the stereotypes and the histories and the past and come to the conclusion like you came to. 
And now you know that bravery is there, you can also know, realize, and believe that bravery also is a habit. And if you want to make bravery a part of yourself, you need to move forward into and through the fear. Then the fear will go away and the bravery will take its place. Now, I'm not asking you to go out to downtown and stop people on the street and say, I am a cowardice or I'm a coward and look them straight in the eye because, uh, well, maybe they might give you a dollar or two. Um, <laughs> That's not the point. The point is being honest with oneself to the point that you can bust through. Because eventually, let's use this coward uh, idea. Eventually, you're like, you know what? That is BS. I am not. And I'll tell you why I'm not. Here we go into logic. Because um, I'm not afraid of this. I'm not afraid of that. I have no fear. I've never had fear of that. I, am, I, I, I don't dig into lack and limitation when it comes to my health. And blah, 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 blah. And on and on and on. And then you realize, wait a minute. I am not a coward. Because I am, quote, unquote, brave in all these things. That's just a lie that I have habitually told me or accepted from somebody else telling me. We don't have to persuade the law to receive a graceful life. We don't have to persuade the law we want a graceful life. We have to persuade ourselves that we have a graceful life. And that can have, that can have to do with cowardice or any other word you want to put to it. Aristotle said persuasion is clearly a sort of demonstration. Since we are most fully persuaded when we consider a thing to have been demonstrated. Is that not science of mind right there? That's Aristotle. How many thousands of years ago was that? And he uses the word demonstration. What's the word we use? Demonstration. A lot of times it's manifestation, et cetera, et cetera. But demonstration is another word for manifesting an experience into your life. Persuasion, persuading oneself, one's mind, to, is clearly a sort of demonstration since we are mostly fully persuaded when we consider a thing to have been demonstrated until we get to the point when we know we don't have to see it with these eyes. We have to see it with the, one, the eyes inside, the inward eyes. We demonstrate our desires when we require them to show up in our lives. Now, how do we persuade ourselves? This is all theory now. So how do we persuade ourselves? Well, the first one is to remember who you are. It's the first step in treatment. It's the first step in anything. It should be the first step when you wake up. Who am I? Not your name, not your talent, not your, uh, um, your occupation, not whether you're a mother, wife, son, husband, boyfriend, whatever. Not, none of those titles. Who are you? You're this. You're this. You're the divinity revealing itself as a human being at this time period. Individualizing this power. Individualizing this vibration, this energy, this love and joy. Number two, feeling the feeling of living the life of whatever that idea is that you are busting through to have in your life. Feeling it. 
not this kind of feeling it, although that could be too, but feeling, what does it feel like if I was this? Remember when you were a kid? I used to be able to, no. <laughs> I, in my childhood, more often, at any moment, no matter what happened before me, and with no toy or any sort of prop, so to speak, could enter an, into an entire other world. You know, do you remember that? When your bedroom can become the castle, when your bedroom can, became the, 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 um, the big open field where you as a warrior were, were going to be in command, that, that your room was, was all of a sudden something else. And you could see the sky was different and maybe the moon was out and these people were over there and maybe there was a car or some sort of buildings here and there. And it was all alive. And then you started role-playing in this imagination that you created. And you started telling a story. There was a whole story. And you lived that story for however long that took. Ten minutes, a half an hour, the whole day. Until you were interrupted for dinner. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> You used your imagination and you, you experienced it with the feelings that go with it. Oh, you're out, on the, you're out in the middle of the field and you're a King Henry, the, I'm sure not too many of you were playing <laughs> King Henry V. <laughs> Once more, unto the breach. Um, you, were, you, know, you were there and you were feeling the sweat and the heat and, and all these people around you and what that felt like and the fear and the mud in that particular situation. That wonderment, that role-playing, that living in the moment, that feeling the feelings and the environment that you did then is what you need to do now, even when you just want to quit your big, expensive, not expensive, well-paying job at this place so you could be doing this at that place or from home or whatever. People in um, my other career as a performer, they forget that. They start, and, and I think if this happens to anybody, um, especially when you're looking for a new job, you know, you, it, until you see yourself into that place, you're not going to get hired. Now, that could be, there's, there's dimensions to that idea, but... Um, that's what you want to do. You want to feel and you want to know. You know, I feel, this is how I feel when my name is on the, the front of the building and this, that, and there's um, 10,000 people out there. This is what I feel. And they're all just looking at me like, yes, tell me, great, oh, inspire me. How do I feel? How does, what will that feel like with those big bright lights? Because it'll be a bigger stage. It'll be 10,000 people. How's that going to feel? When I get there, that's going to show up. Because the law says, <clears throat> let me work that out for you right now. Understanding, seeing, and accepting the logic of how the universe works on your desires, requirements, and ideas. So then it becomes logical. Because you, you've, you've told the story, and the story has several acts and several scenes, and a beginning, middle, and end. And, um, and the end can go 
can have sequels, but there is an end to the idea, um, and, and the law listens to that, and the law hears that, and the law does its work to bring that into our lives. That's the persuasion we have to do for ourselves. So I want you to all think of a belief you want to change. It could be simple. It doesn't have to be a big thing. Just, just one thing. You know, maybe you have the sniffles. I don't want the sniffles anymore. Okay. So I'm going to read you a five-step thing from a book called Instant Influence by Dr. Michael Pantalone. Okay, so number one, and you do this in your head, how ready are you to change this idea on a scale from one to ten where one means not ready at all and ten means totally ready? I am totally ready to not have the sniffles anymore. You got that number? Think to yourself, why didn't you pick a lower number? Even if you picked three, why didn't you pick one? It's a different way to look at it. Now imagine you've changed your thinking. What would the positive outcomes be? If you changed your thinking, you changed the feelings behind those thinking, and then, of course, thus eventually changed your belief and had that experience in that lot in your life, um, what would the positive outcomes be? What would it look like? What would it feel like? What would it smell like? What would it taste like? What would it sound like? Now I want you to take that idea and Tell yourself why those outcomes are important to you. You're not just doing it because life will be nicer that way. There's more to it. There's more depth to the outcome. Yes, of course, all the things you want to bust through is going to make your life better, more magnificent. But get a little deeper. What is the outcome? Why is it important to you? And finally, and this may not pop up super quickly, this is something you, you want to allow, and, and Spirit will, will speak through you about this. What's the next step, if any? Now, I, I don't want to know, and I don't want you to know, and I'm saying this because I've done this. I don't want you, I don't want to know what you are supposed to do. This is not what you're supposed to do. A couple of decades ago, I, um, um, I went to, to therapy, and um, the first thing I said to the therapist was, I know exactly what you want to hear, and you got to be smarter than me, or this is not going to work. Because, <laughs> um, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, um, I'm so great, but I just know this about myself. And if, if you want to have any success, and that's why I'm here to have some success with this, that, or the other um, condition um, or situation or thought process, then you need to be smarter than me and know that and, and dig deeper than the answer I give you. So I don't want to know what you think you're supposed to do or the obvious things. Oh, well, I need to pray more. I need to, um, I need to meditate more. I need to do. Yes, of course. Interesting thing, um, I, I recently got a new theatrical agent, and um, 
shouldn't go out on the internet because it's supposed to be a secret. But I'll keep some of it. I'll keep some of it away. Um, and and the question to me was, when you go into an office for a meeting, what is your job? And so I, I answered my general answer, which was, I go there to tell a story. Because that's what I'm doing. I'm just going in there and telling a story through this this character's part in the in the in the show in the play in the story that's all i'm supposed to do and he said no yes but no yes but that's obvious because you're an actor and that's your job as an actor that is that is your acting job the most important thing is to is to develop a relationship with this person or people in that office. Of course you, you come in prepared, whether that's memorized or semi-memorized. Of course you come in prepared with, um, with uh, ideas and, and, um, and decisions on where this lies in the, in the greater story and what's happening in this particular moment. Of course you do that. That's acting. Otherwise you're just going in for a meeting and doing nothing. But what you're really going there is to establish a relationship with this other person. Same thing if you go into an interview for an office job or a restaurant job or any sort of job. You're going there, in there more than likely because you already know I'm talented. I have the, the skills, the ability, the knowledge, the, the degree if it, if it uh, requires or something. But, but you're not really going to get the job until you establish a relationship with that person across the desk or, or across, you know, at the chair next to you that you're chatting about. Woody Allen supposedly doesn't um, ask, ask people to read when he calls you in. He just chats with you. I received, uh, I, I received a, um, I did a, a, um, a Vita once. Oh, I got to switch. I knew this might happen. I did a Vita once and... Would you uh, open this mic for me? I did a Vita once, and um, you know, I went in there, and so did many talented people throughout town went in there, and um, they decided they liked me, and they called a friend of ours, actually, and said, so what's it like working with Jay? Because that, you know, there's a lot of talented people for this, but there was something a little bit about him, but I don't need to use him. There's plenty of other people in town, which of course is true. But I want to know what, what it's like to work with him. And that's why I got the job, because the person they called said, oh, whatever, said something possible. They were sorry, but no. <laughs> so to persuade is to imagine it, to feel it, to see the logic in it, and to see the logic of it being a part of your life, and then to bravely be it. To bravely be it. Now I'm gonna do something I don't um, usually do, but I got permission to do this. And um, I know I just quickly entered and, and said that word bravery, but I love this song so much that with this information I've already put out there, I'm gonna ask uh, Barbara to come up and sing that song again. I want to see you, I just want to see you, just want to see you, I want to see you be free, just want to see you, I just want to see you, just want to see you, I want to see you be free. 
assignment for this week. That is your assignment this week. Find one thing, one thing that has been in your way, one thing that is that has brought in this lack and limitation BS into your life and into my life as well. Use this this affirmation card that Joselito brought us through um, so well, um, and be brave for one thing, just one thing this week. Be brave and persuade yourself, know yourself, and live the life you want to live. Thank you so much. Namaste. The New Thought Guy.